Amen. I think we were about to lift off there. <laughs> well, happy Sunday morning. What a joy to be with you. Before you sit, Father God, we just invite you to have your way in our hearts here today. We're so grateful to be here on a beautiful Lord's Day with these beautiful people of the Lord. How good, how pleasant it is to be here, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this atmosphere this morning. Lord, we're reminded because you're here, game on. All things are possible. We just bless you for who you are. You are the true and living God. Apart from you, there is no other. Lord Jesus, neither is there salvation in any other name. Your name is the name above every name. We declare your name over this people, over this atmosphere this morning. We take authority over any spirit contrary to the Holy Spirit. And we say, Holy Spirit, have your way in exalting, magnifying Jesus in this place this morning. And Father, I thank you. Your heart is to bless the people of God. Your heart is to draw sinners to yourself. Lord, that's how we arrived here. You came to us when we weren't looking for you. You commended your love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Now, church, confess this with me. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm really enjoying being with you this weekend. God is so good, and um, I just appreciate your heart. For him and uh, your desire to go after him. Enjoyed being here last night with you and uh, have a message I want to share with you this morning. And so what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to look at a few scriptures just to set a theological foundation. And then I want to share some testimony with you today. I am amazed that when people um, become hungry with expectation and decide, you know, I'm going to be all in for the Lord, that there are times when atmospheres are created where God just begins to move powerfully. Sometimes in response to prayer, sometimes in response to ministry and obedience to the Holy Spirit. It's, but sometimes there can be glory atmosphere where it's like the Lord takes over the room. And things begin to happen that are inexplicable. This is the God whom we serve. And I, um, I, I believe that we are in a season here across the country where we're being invited into those types of situations. I know the Lord's been speaking to me about where we live. And... Uh, we, we've been seeing some really wonderful things happen. There's some things I believe the Lord's laid on my heart that we're going to be seeing. We're not, we're, we're not in that place yet, but we're headed that way. And my heart is, I don't want to mess it up. Amen. And I just encourage you, and my prayer is along with yours. If the Lord's been speaking to me, just go low. Stay humble. You know, without Him, nothing's going to happen. You know, what, what we're needing today, you're not going to find it in a church growth toolbox. Thank God for things that we can do that help. You know, I'm not against that. 
But what we must have is an absolute surrendered heart, uh, an, humble, an humble heart, an humble attitude where we're humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then he takes the initiative and begins to exalt, begins to move, begins to promote, and, and begins to do what he does. And I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God is welcomed and he's allowed to have his way, and he finds obedient, hungry hearts, courageous hearts, that go after him, things begin to happen. You begin to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Jaws begin to drop. Hearts begin to race. Faith begins to rise up. And the enemy becomes defeated, as we just sang. He's already defeated. We have the victory, but we're not always living from the place of victory. There's a lot of warfare against your life to keep you from knowing who you really are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is our example. He's our Lord. And I believe that ministry in the church should reflect his ministry while he was here on the earth. The reason I believe that, the Bible teaches he is the head. We are now the body of Christ in the earth. He lived for 30, around 33 years on planet earth, left his footprint on planet earth. He only did what he saw the Father doing. We talked last night about how he was empowered by the Holy Spirit for his ministry. And in Acts 10.38, the Word of God says how Jesus went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's the key. God was with him. God was moving through him. God was confirming his word. And now we are the body of Christ in the earth, and we are his representatives. That is, the church should represent Jesus to the world. And the works that he did were to do also. So I just wanted to take, uh, just take a little section out of Scripture this morning just to whet our appetite about what it was like when Jesus came to town, when Jesus showed up, what kind of stuff happened around him, what did people experience that was in his presence when he was moving. And we'll just start with him in Luke chapter 3 at his baptism. I'm going to read a few scriptures for you here. I'm going to begin in Luke chapter 3 verse 22 because this is where Jesus, he's publicly identified by God the Father. Now listen to this. This is when he was baptized, when John baptized him. It says, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Now, I'm taking this was a visible, this was visible, that people could testify to seeing this visible form come down and rest upon Jesus. One of the gospel writers says the Holy Spirit came down upon him and remained upon him. And it says, and a voice from heaven which said, this was an audible voice, there was a visual sign, confirmation, the form of a dove that came and remained upon him. Then there was an audible voice from heaven which says, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. So Father is giving public testimony, this is my son, and I'm pleased with him. It would be like a dad telling their child today, Son, I love you and I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you. So this was a powerful event here as John was honoring Jesus and Jesus was honoring John and he was baptized, heaven opened, the Spirit came down and the audible voice of God spoke over Jesus. Now, Jesus has received this public revelation that he's the Son of God. Now he knows that, but now it's been publicly 
revealed to those who bore witness to his, his baptism. And what we're going to see next, and it follows in our life, when we come to know the Lord, and when you really begin to realize what the New Testament says about who you are in Jesus, I'm not prophesying this, but I'm saying the Bible teaches this. You can expect warfare against you receiving, identifying with, and walking in the revelation concerning who God says you are. And if I may, the Lord says that he is pleased with you because your life is now hid with Christ in God. You have been made to be seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know that because of the finished work of Jesus when you got saved, that God said, now you are qualified. Do you know that you were adopted into the family of God? Yes, you know that. Pastor Larry is your pastor. You were adopted into the family of God. You, you became a co-inheritor with Jesus Christ. All things that pertain to life and godliness, you now have access to through the knowledge of Him who died for you. You switched kingdoms when you got saved. You switched fathers when you got saved. You are now a child of the Most High God. And He has made you worthy. He broke the power of shame. He removed the guilt of sin. He cleansed you from all unrighteousness. He robed you with the righteousness of his son. And now when God views you, he views you through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned last night, his spirit now, which is greater in you than any spirit you'll come against in this world, that same spirit bears witness that you belong to God. His spirit bears witness with your spirit that you belong to him. That same Holy Spirit is crying out, Abba, Father, so you'll know who your daddy is, so that you can know every day when you wake up, I have a Father in heaven. That's the reason Jesus taught us to pray, My Father who is in heaven, I hallow your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know you'll provide me today. Give me, give me my daily bread. Forgive me my trespasses. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to hold a grudge. I don't want to be resentful. I want your forgiveness to flow to me, through me, and from me to others, regardless of what they may say or what they may do to me. And Father, I trust you not to lead me into temptation, to recognize and dismantle the, tra the, tra the traps and snares of the enemy. And Father, I know you will deliver me from the evil one. Ha, panerah, the evil one. You will deliver me from him. Because you, it is your kingdom, it's not mine. It is your power, it is not mine. And it's for your glory, it's not for mine. We are called to live this way. We are called to know who we are. We are called to understand what Christ has done for us. So all of this is ours now. But Jesus, who is the perfect, sinless Son of the living God, who only did what he saw the Father doing, who never sinned, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit for public ministry in Luke chapter 3, the next thing that happens, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He was for 40 days. And you know what the, the devil came for? The devil came to remove him from the revelation he had just received. You're my son. So the devil comes and says, if you are God's son, turn these stones into bread. If you are God's son, jump off the pinnacle of the temple. Now, here's the way you can shortcut 
and not avoid all the suffering, all the stuff that you know lies ahead, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all these nations. You see, all of that was wrapped up in what he was called to do and who he was declared to be, the beloved son of the living God. So when you begin to get a revelation of your identity, the enemy wants to come against you and steal that seed out of your heart. Because once you realize who you are, once you realize what you have, once you realize what you can access, and you begin to live from that and walk in that, you become a threat to the enemy and his kingdom. Because whom the sun sets free, they're free indeed. And when, listen, listen, whom the sun sets free, they're free indeed. So when we start really getting free, we become these freedom outposts, if you will, leading other people to freedom. And the enemy's kingdom begins to be taken away from him, like we sang this morning. And as a matter of fact, unless the Lord were to redirect tonight, I, I'm feeling led to uh, step into an area of deliverance tonight. And I encourage you, if you know someone that's struggling with some type of addiction or heaviness or depression or some type of bondage in some way, um, come tonight. Because I'm going to be, uh, I'm feeling led to minister in this area tonight to break this stuff off of people so that they can, they can know true freedom that's only found in Jesus Christ. So Jesus went into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. Now let me just read some scriptures because I'm preaching too, too. I want to get on. Okay, I'll see here. When we get to chapter 4, he, he, he's led into the wilderness to be tempted. After that, listen to this scripture in chapter 4, verse 14, after the temptation. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Because he triumphed over the temptation, that anointing only increased. He came in the power of the Spirit, and he ministers in the area of Galilee, and the news of him went out through all the surrounding region. He taught in their synagogues. Then he comes to his hometown. We know the story there. He's rejected by his home folks. Isn't this Joseph's son? Now, Jesus is walking in a revelation. He's the, he's the son of God. God's pleased with him. He's pleased with him. The enemy is trying to remove him off that revelation. And now, he's coming home, hometown folks, and they're going to do the same thing the devil wanted to do. Oh, wait a minute. Aren't you, aren't, you're just Joseph's son. This don't square. Who do you think you are? We saw you growing up here. Your dad is Joseph. You see... And they rejected him. And Jesus tells them, listen, during Israel's famine, there was only widow the prophet Elijah went to, and she was from Sidon. And during the days of Elisha, there was only one leper cleansed, and he was, from, he was Naaman, and he was from Syria. Oh, that made them mad, because he was basically saying, the house of Israel, you know, didn't receive anything because they weren't believing. And you know what they wanted to do? They didn't throw him a coming home party. It said they took him out to the cliff that the city was built on. They were going to throw him off the cliff. He went out from their midst. Because he showed up in his hometown. He took Isaiah 61 and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
He has anointed me to heal the broken heart and all those wonderful things we read about. They rejected all of that. No, just Joseph's boy. Prophets without honor saving his own country. So, and this, this, listen to these beautiful descriptive passages after Jesus leaves Nazareth. He goes to Capernaum. He casts out an unclean spirit out of a man. Then he drops by Peter's house where Peter's uh, mother-in-law lives. She's got a fever. He heals her. Chapter 4, verse 40. Listen to this. Just, let this, just drink this in a moment. Because this is, this is such a beautiful summary of what happens when Jesus shows up. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak. For they knew that he was the Christ. Isn't this something? If you read earlier, the religious leaders, they didn't see it. Hometown folks couldn't receive it, rejected it, couldn't see it. But the devil knew who he was. The demons knew who he was. And see, I'm just saying, when the church, when we get to the place we need to be representing Jesus to the world, the devil will know who we are too. He will know we are indwelt with the spirit of him who is the Christ, the son of the living God. This is such beautiful summary passages. And then it goes on to say, and I love this in chapter 5, um, he cleanses a leper, and then it, you, it says, and this is the, where the, they let the man down from the roof. We're getting into that story. Listen to this, this scripture, and, and I'll stop on this one. Now it happened, this is verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. A parallel passage is found in Matthew chapter 8, and it, 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 it says, when evening, this is verse 16, Matthew 8, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus, God was confirming Jesus. These Old Testament prophecies says when he gets here, he's going to do these things. In his day, he was there. He did those things. He was fulfilling prophecies. In our day, we're looking back and say, saying he is the Messiah. He did those things then. He's doing those things now. And I don't mean this irreverently, but there's got to be in the church today those times when the church can say, he's the Christ. If you don't believe it, watch this right here. Th those kind of moments where God confirms his word with the accompanying signs. It's 
awesome when the Holy Spirit rolls in a place, so to speak, and just begins to move like these settings that we are told about Jesus, where the people are coming and there's healings, there's deliverances, there's breakthrough, there's salvations. These clusters, uh, these moments, these seasons of outpouring. And oh my, I believe we're going to begin to see more and more of these times. Some years back, I was on a mission trip. I took a small team to Honduras. We were ministering in different places. But we were in the Valley de Angles, the Valley of the Angels, north of Tegucigalpa, the capital city of Honduras, up in the mountains in the Valley of the Angels. And it was kind of like one of those, uh, in there where they lived, it would be a scaled-down version of what we'd call like a Gatlinburg kind of town. There were a lot of artisans and craftsmen, uh, although everything was by hand. They didn't have much machinery at all. Uh, the people lived in very um, primitive conditions up there in the mountain. But the church where we were having this meeting, the pastors in the area had been gathered together and uh, it probably seat 150, 200 people. It was more of an open air building, no windows with a tin top and a concrete floor. I took the small team in there. Uh, one of uh, my friends that was from our city actually had moved to Honduras, was living among the people. He arranged this meeting, and we were like the first team to ever come onto the mission field to, to come beside him, and he had set this up. It was such a, a glorious, glorious meeting. On my team was uh, a spirit-filled uh, worship leader, played the guitar. He and I did trips together. This was after I'd stepped out from the Baptist church. I had a two-year period where I was doing conferences and traveling to the nations. So this was in that season when that was happening. And I had a Baptist lady uh, that the first Baptist church that I ever pastored as a 25-year-old young man. Uh, her parents had been in that congregation. Her husband uh, had been a well-known leader in the Southern Baptist Convention in the stewardship department headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. And she was on this trip uh, because I knew she loved missions and I had invited her to go with me. She had not been around the, these type of meetings, but she loved uh, my wife and I and she wanted to go. And, and then uh, a lady that lived in the city where we lived who was a nurse practitioner, very intelligent woman, uh, very academic-minded. Her husband uh, was on the board of the ministry that I had established, First Breath Ministries during those days. And, well, actually, during those days, it was Mercy and Truth Ministries. And we, uh, his wife decided she would go because she hadn't gone on a mission trip. I had no idea that we were going to experience what we experienced on this trip. Let me give you just a few highlights of those I think we were there like uh, three days. Where the mission trip was a week long, but we were up in the Valley of the Angels about three days in these evening services. The very first night, we got in time of worship like we were in here this morning. And there were probably 150 people uh, under that tin roof. And it, we were having a good time. Uh, Brother David had gone with me. He was playing his guitar and he was singing and and. Then they had some of uh, their worship where they were singing their language and, and we were 
uh, trying to sing. We didn't know Spanish, but we were enjoying it. And so it, it was very, very lively. And I'm not exaggerating in all. So we, the, the, the worship was pretty lively. But suddenly, you could feel like the wind of God come in the room. And it was like there were three times more people in the room singing than were actually there. It was some type of supernatural phenomenon. What I believe was happening is the Lord, there was an he- open heaven experience, and the angels were literally joining with, with us. Now, that may sound out there, but something was happening. There were more people worshiping and singing than were in the room. I've only had that happen a couple of three times uh, and we had one of those kind of occasions not that long ago that happened like that. It was like, who else is helping us sing in this room? It was, it was just so very, very powerful. During the ministry time, the lady whose husband, he had passed away, but he had been high up in the Southern Baptist Convention, she came up for ministry. And uh, she has now become... My, my, my daughter-in-law, who married the girl that married my son married, is, is her grandmother. But here she is, this sweet Baptist woman with, with the background, you know, of being high up in the convention. And she loved missions. She came up for ministry, took her by the hands and began to pray. And we, we really didn't have anybody helping and assisting in the altar. We're just ministering. And it, it was just... Incredible what happened because I laid hands on her and I'm praying and all of a sudden her hands slip out of my hands and I look and she just pop, 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 fell backwards, bouncing off that wet concrete floor, back, head and all, just like pop, 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 you know, just bouncing off and just laid there and I thought, oh my goodness, has this killed her or whatever? But then you could look at her face and her countenance began to glow and she stayed there for quite some time in the floor and this this was early on for me too and all that I'd seen this but it just kind of was unexpected for her and it was for her on her side too she testified but she was filled with the Holy Spirit that night she became alive with the power of God because the Holy Spirit came upon her and begin to move, manifest gifts through her. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And she's been on a number of mission trips with me since then. And now she's one of those in line praying for people. The other lady who was the nurse practitioner, she's observing this. Now, I may share some things that, that sound a little bizarre. I am just testifying. I am just testifying. She witnessed these things happen like that first night. There were people, the Holy Spirit was just moving across the room. It was, it was almost like failing timber. The power of God was coming on people. And there were different kind of manifestations in the room. Some of them the Holy Spirit, some of them the other spirits. But that stuff was just happening. It was game on for kingdom stuff that night. And this other dear lady um, in her room, she, her, she and her roommate... <laughs> and I, sometimes I'm hesitant to share this, but only they, there, there is one scripture where the hand wrote on the wall, you know, the Lord manifested similarly. She had a bar of soap. 
And words start appearing on it in red. God messages. I mean, good things. Scriptural things. And they're talking about this. And the next day it would be something different. And it was like for her, uh, because uh, with her academic mindset, this was hard for her to process. But it was like the Lord, Lord was just, man, everywhere she turned, something supernatural. was. We were praying one morning for, for the day. And in the middle of the pray, praying, I'm praying. I said, Lord, I, this Acts 4 is coming to my mind. And the place they pray was shaken. God, we pray you would shake this place. I'm thinking of the power of God moving. 30 minutes later, there was a minor earthquake. You know, didn't damage anything, but the whole earth shook. Coincidence? I don't think so. It was just a week where those powerful, these were people, they lived up off from anywhere. Not many U.S. citizens came up there touring, and they had not had a visitation like this in this church. And God just lit that mountain up. For, for those three days, well, the, the lady ended up getting uh, filled with the Holy Spirit because of the number of things she could not deny that she was seeing, even felt like the thing, and I know that's out there, that's still, I still don't understand that, I'm just testifying about the bar of soap, I'm not, I'm not telling you to seek that kind of stuff, you know, I, I, you know, always be careful of that kind of thing, but Everything, God, it all came together, and she was drawn to Jesus. And now we were up in the mountains, and it's actually cold up there, even though it was in Honduras. And there was a hotel with a swimming pool. She wanted to be baptized. And when I say hotel, don't think a hotel like we would have here. But they had a little swimming pool thing. And so I remember she said, I want to be baptized now. So got her in that swimming pool. And it, I don't know how cold the water was, but she, she was turning blue and her teeth were chattering. And I baptized you in the name of Jesus. And we got her baptized. But I mean, the Lord just changed her life. She came on fire for Jesus. One night during the ministry time, a man and woman, of course, these are, are, are Honduran people, Spanish-speaking people. They come up as they walk near me. The Holy Spirit moves on me. And I said, oh, my you have just lost a child. Come here. The Lord wants to comfort you. And they come up and they start weeping. The translator says that like a week earlier, they'd lost their little boy. The Lord just started doing stuff like that. And then the last night we were there, we're, we're during, during the preaching, during the worship, a woman heard the preaching. It's been, everything I'm saying is being translated. She walks off the street and comes down the aisle and... Uh, we got in the ministry time, she comes up, she, we pray for her, she begins to manifest the demonic and lay hands on her and rebuke that thing and she, she emptied her stomach right there in the altar. Then we are told that she has cancer, has been to the doctor and the doctors have given up all hope, there's nothing they can do for her, we pray for her healing. And believe the Lord touched her. It, it was just powerful. Now, I go back a year later. You know, go back on another trip. Same place. We're ministering. And the pastor comes over me. And he says, you see the lady over here on the front row? Do you remember her? And I looked at her. I said, no, I don't remember her. Who is she? 
He said, you remember the lady that came in that last night? I said, oh yeah, that doesn't look like her. She looked like a completely different woman. He said, what you don't know also is she was a prostitute that had, uh, that had cancer living on the street, dying, that came in that night. She got delivered from a demon. She, got, she, she went back to the doctor after that night, got a completely clean, clear bill of health, no cancer, God healed her from the cancer. She has been a faithful church member this whole past year since your team has been here. She sits on the front row. And I mean, she was just glowing with the glory of the Lord. She was helping serve in the church. That's the kind of stuff that Jesus does. And it was just a powerful, powerful week. Just to see God moving in that way. I went on a trip to India. Um, me and another brother in the Lord. We go to Mumbai. We take a, 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 a small plane up to Hyderabad. Get on a train. Go six hours across the country to Vijawada, India. They'd set up a week of meetings there in Vijawada, India. Now, the week before we arrived, a number of Christian churches had been burned in the area to where we went. There was a lot of persecution. It was going to a big city. But the church... There was this militant group there uh, that had some government backing that, that was behind a lot of the persecution of the churches. Well, they had an open-air meeting planned straight across the street from the police headquarters, a tent that would hold about 10,000 people. Now, we were not technically allowed to preach to... The, the way their law read, you couldn't, a foreigner could not come in and promote the religion of Christianity. So the way they did is they asked us to come up and share testimony. And so we'd do kind of like what I'm doing tonight. You know, preach and call a testimony. And so we, we did that. And from the, the very first night, there are people just crowding forward. And I, I have photos, different places. They have the red dot on their forehead just laying one after the other, hundreds of them during ministry time, people being saved, being touched, the Spirit of God moving. That happened the first three nights. And then uh, on the third night, they informed the, uh, the people, the organizers, the pastors, said, you can't meet here anymore. We've decided you cannot meet here. Well, they had the tent set up. They had the porta potty set up. They had pastors who had come from a around the region that were spending the night and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They had, what, what are we going to do? Those people stayed up all night long like a colony of ants. And by hand, they took down the tent, moved all the chairs, moved all the porta potties moved all the supplies, all the tables, everything. All night long like a colony of ants, they moved them a mile down the road. And what they did, they actually moved the location to another location and had a meeting that next night. And I, God so honored their obedience. They could have said, well, that's it, folks. We can't do anymore. But no, the Lord is not through. Uh, they stayed up all night long, worked all the next day, and then we had a service on that fourth night. During that service, I'll never forget this. This, this was incredible. The, again, during the worship, and I, I learned so much on that trip. Sometimes we can get hung up on, well, it's got to be my song, it's got to be my sound. Over there, their music, it, it's not like our music. It's like, 
you know, uh, it's just a diff. They use different kind of instruments. We're not accustomed to the kind of sound, but these people were worshiping. I mean, heaven came down. Uh, we're on the platform overlooking this these ten thousand or so people, and I've never seen this since in this way. They were all standing worshiping. Now, have you ever been to a football game where they do the wave? You know, everybody's sitting down and it starts down. And, you know, a row will stand up. Then a row behind them stands up. Well, I saw a wave of glory that night. Except it was in reverse. Nobody saw it coming. This happened. We're on the, we're on the platform. We're worshiping. All of a sudden, the people way back there, you know, just couple of 300 feet back there um, you, you see the people on the back they just start falling down then the people in front of them they can't see what's happening behind them but it was the spirit of God it was like a wave just started hitting people and it came to the front and we're watching this it's like dominoes falling and again the people that are falling don't know that the people behind them had fallen it's just like this wave of glories coming and then when it got to the front, we're there on the platform. We watched that. It's like, oh, my heavens. And then, boom, it hits us on the stage. We go down on our faces and everywhere, just weeping uncontrollably. I'm laying, and my brother, and the musicians, everybody, the other pastors, we're on our faces. All of a sudden, we're weeping just under the weight and glory of God. I'm talking that it's just a big wet spot in front of my face where I was slobbering and crying and, you know, just uncontrollably, just the weight of God's glory was so strong in those moments. I really don't even know how long that went on. We, we were just experience, experiencing a manifestation of the glory of God. Well, I don't know if that's in the Bible. I, I think it is in a number of places. For instance, when the dedication of the temple came in, 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 in uh, 1 Chronicles 7, uh, or where Solomon's temple is dedicated, it, it says, And the glory of the Lord came into the tent, into the, into the temple, into the temple, and the priests could not stand and minister. Now, there, there was only one seat in the, in, the, in the temple, and God sat on that. They, stand, they stood and ministered because their work was never finished. But see, we now have a great high priest, Jesus. He finished the work, and so he ascended, and now he's seated by the right hand of God the Father. His is a finished work. So that night, uh, we're experiencing a, man, a manifestation of that glory that just comes, and so... We're on our faces. It's just like under the weight. The Greek, the Hebrew word for glory, uh, the kabod, means heavy, weighty. And so we were overwhelmed by the glory of God. It's a glorious meeting. God, he accomplished so much. But you know what happened at the amen when the meeting was over? Police cars started pulling up. And... They, they, wanted to, they wanted to find the speakers for the meeting. And I watched these people, these believers. The, the word was coming. You know, get, get, get our guests in the car. Get them out of here. The police made it to us. They're trying to get us to the car. I saw believers, uh, numbers of them, run and got between us 
and the police just to slow them down. They put us in a car and got us out of there. They took us to a home of a pastor. That pastor um, got a phone call because one of his members actually worked at the police department in the dispatch area. He calls and he says, Pastor, I'm hearing what they're saying. They know that uh, these guests are at your house and they're coming. And so they talked a little bit and um, in about 30 minutes, there was a knock on the door and these police officials came in and the pastor talked with them, had a conversation with them. And the police officer says, well, here's what we're going to do. We have these uh, arrest papers. And these men must fill out these papers. They have got to explain to us why they were promoting the religion of Christianity here in our nation. And then we're going to come back and we're going to get the papers and we're going to meet with them. And so the pastor agreed to that. They left. We got the papers. We had to fill them out. And I said, well, Lord, I, I, I'm not going to be untrue to you. And I got to reading the questions. And the question was, you know, why are you in our country as a foreigner and promoting the religion of Christianity? And so I just, my, my friend and I talked and we agreed. And so I wrote down, um, I, I'm, I'm, I was invited to be here in your nation. And I am a minister, but I am not promoting the religion of Christianity. I do not believe in religion. I don't. I don't have my faith in religion. I don't even be believe that Christianity is, quote, a religion. You know, this is the relationship with the true living God. Uh, maybe mention words, but I could honestly write that down and sit, tell them, you know, that's not what I'm doing. I don't even believe in that, so I couldn't promote. I'm not going to promote something I don't believe in. We're here. We want to honor your country, love your people, and we're just sharing testimonies of, 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 of things we've seen Jesus do and that kind of stuff. Well, while during that time, the pastor got uh, another phone call from the man at the station, and he said, uh, you're going to need to get them out of there. They have decided that when they come back, they're going to pick them up, they're going to go, and they're going to they're lock them up in jail for a while. Now, probably, we're told probably what would happen is the police wouldn't do anything to us, but they would put us into a common cell with some other thugs and give them the liberty to... To, to beat us up, you know, and, uh, you know, make us regret being there, that kind of thing. So the pastor got us together, got us out of there. By this time, it's like uh, 5 o'clock the next morning, and they uh, take us down to a train station, quickly get us on a train, overnight train to Hyderabad, had us a hotel room waiting. When we got there, someone went ahead, checked at the desk. The police was already there looking for us. Somehow they figured out where we were going. So we were hidden away in another pastor's home. Uh, finally, uh, they took us just shortly before a flight would be taken off from Hyderabad to get us to Mumbai. And we were grateful that we were able to get on that flight. We got to Mumbai. We're, just, we're praying then, Lord, um, you know, we've got to go through customs. And the Lord just worked it out. We were able to, we were there a few hours waiting on our, a flight. We had to change all our flights and to leave the country, and we were able to get out of the country. But it was worth it all to see the lives touched and God's glory moved the way it did. You see, the devil is going to fight 
where the Spirit of God is moving. And if that's true on a citywide effort, if that's true on a churchwide effort, should you expect any less in your individual life? You know, when you start stepping out for Jesus, you're going to, just like Jesus who was perfect, yet he was tested. We're going to be tested. Is that true? Did that really happen? Is it really real? It's amazing how these mind games the enemy can bring against you. I'll mention this a little bit tonight, but I'm telling you, I believe there has been like a delusion released over our nation that is messing with people's minds. I have ministered in deliverance situations numbers of times, particularly in the last three or four weeks. Some from out of our area, just getting phone calls. They said, well, we've heard what God is doing. We know you do deliverance ministry. Can I come? But it, this, this warfare that's coming against people's mind is just unreal. And much of it is outright demonic warfare. But we've given a, been given authority to break the power of that in our lives. And so this is what happens where Jesus is exalted and the gospel is preached. But not just on the mission field. In our everyday lives. You know, as I mentioned last night, we want to be indwelt by the Spirit by being saved. We want to be filled with the Spirit and let His character and the character of Jesus be produced in our life. But we also want to be empowered by the Spirit and flowing in His gifts and be believers in signs, wonders, and miracles. Because when you, when you see what Jesus did, you know what he told his disciples before he left here. He said to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do the things I've commanded you to do. And he said, and I will be with you until the end of the age. Isn't that what it says? Now what did he mean when he said, now you teach them to do the things I commanded you. He's saying, you teach them to do the things I taught you to do. Well, if you go back, Jesus taught them a lot. But when it comes to what he taught them to do, it was to go out, you know, preach the kingdom, cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Those are the things he taught them to do. And then it was so important that the last communication he has before he's jettisoned up to the right hand of God the Father, he says, now guys, what I've taught you to do, you keep teaching others to do that, and I will be with you. He's talking about through his spirit, I'll be with you, even until the end of the age. Is the age over? Capital N-O. So that command, that mandate, is still in place. We have not been excused from teaching disciples to do what Jesus taught his disciples to do. Well, but how do you know that's what he was talking about? Because after he left and he sent his spirit, you see, Jesus went up, the spirit came down, then the church went out, and the sinners came in. When you, reach, when you read what the church did in the book of Acts, they're doing the same things that Jesus had taught them to do that they had seen him do. The same things he said, you keep teaching those that you teach to do what I taught you to do until the end of the age. You see, not only do I believe these are for today, 
I believe if we want to get right down to it, that we are in disobedience as a people of God if we are not teaching people to do that. Listen, this is part of, of the missions mandate, and missions has always been really important to me. I, still, I need to go two or three times a year to some other country. That's part of what God's called me to do. But this all fits together. Again, we represent Jesus. We continue His ministry in the earth. We preach the, we preach the gospel of the kingdom. You get into the kingdom by virtue of what Christ did on the cross. Repentance from sin and faith in Him as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the Redeemer. After you're saved, then you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then you become a witness and you do the things that Jesus said His disciples have been taught to do. And yes, different people flow in different gifts. And I believe the anointing manifests differently in different people. I understand that. But we all find our place and we're all part of the whole. It, working together to see the kingdom of God advanced in the earth. Kingdom of God come. Will of God be done. In Jesus' name. Now, about five Sundays ago, Back home at Grace House where I pastored. The Lord laid on my heart. We were having what we called an overflow weekend. Uh, had a, a guest invited out of Seattle. He was in Israel the week before. Her wife, his wife broke their leg and he just wasn't able to come. I got a friend to come from Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, one of our apostolic overseers. His name's Bishop, Bishop Kyle Sears. He came in on Saturday. We had a wonderful move of God. Sunday morning, I preached, and the Lord laid on me, it's time to share your testimony again. It's been years since I'd really shared a lot of my testimony. I'm halfway through my message, and I'm telling the story of how one of the local charismatic pastors influenced me when I was a First Baptist preacher. And I looked back, and there he was in the back of the audience. When I saw him, it just exploded within me. I started weeping uncontrollably in the pulpit. You know, I love you, Brother David. I love you. And it's just like something had happened 25 years earlier. Somehow in that moment, it's like God just did away with time. And that anointing and that move that I had experienced, it's like, boom, it hit me. And, and I had so much compassion rising up for that brother. And he, he, he's not pastoring now. And my heart so moved from him, I tried to get control of myself. I couldn't. Finally, I'm in the floor. I'm on my face. And it, I'm just sobbing. Kind of like what happened in India. It just hit me. I, and I said, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I can't preach. And I'm just losing it. Just losing it. Live to the world. Live stream in front of the church. Then all of a sudden, I'm not seeing this. I'm... I, I'm not even aware of what's happening in the room now. But I mean, it came upon me. I'm on my face. I'm laying on the platform, just convulsing, crying. And then people just began to stream to the altar and began weeping. Began weeping across the room. The altars filled up. The, the, the Lord just whoosh, came into the room. Just took over the room. He, did, he, he began to do things. There was a, a younger person 
probably in, in their 30s, that for 17 years had suffered with some severe pain. Right over here, healed, boom. Nobody, you know, just, just the Spirit of God just moving, touching. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't, I don't, I don't want to take the time to tell you a lot, but I've got to tell you this one testimony. We had a lady, I'd met with her and I'd prayed with her. She had been attending for several months. She had a, 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 a man that she was courting. She's, and this lady's probably, what, Mickey, 60, something like that. And uh, they, they were spending time together. And I had met with them, talked with them, had met with her, prayed with her. I was aware she had some real heavy-duty health conditions. She's a registered nurse, so she's very medically knowledgeable. She had, you know, served as a nurse for years. She had congestive heart failure. She had even been placed on a transplant list. And she had herself removed because she said, I, I don't want to take the place of some younger person that might need the heart. That's kind of heart that she had. I mean, she had a bad physical heart, but a good heart, you know, uh, for the Lord. And she, uh, had, she was scheduled for what she said was massive surgery, okay? Because her heart was just in failure, she, she, it did not look good for her. She had other health issues. This is her testimony of what happened. When she got to church, uh, the brother that she had been seeing comes and sits down beside her and says, now we didn't know any of this. I'm, I'm getting all this later. And she's, her testimony has been shared at church, but... He sits down behind her and said, I had a dream last night. In my dream, I saw the power of God hit the stage and just begin to move. The altars were full. And you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. See, she's Church of Christ lady. She had a lot of questions about all these things. And she wasn't against it. She just didn't understand it. She had been praying, Lord, she'd open, you know. And so he sits down and he tells her that. Her testimony is, when it hit me on the stage, the power of God hit her. As she came up, the power of God just hit her. And she said, it was like a hot rod of iron came through her at an angle from the front went in here and came out here. Went through her just like it was on fire. She said, oh no, I'm having a massive heart attack. I'm going to die here in church. And she said, and I thought, well, okay, Lord, if that's, that's the way it's going to be. She thought she was having a massive heart attack. It just started burning, burning, burning. And she, the Spirit of God's just moving on her. Again, I'm up there crying and slobbering, and uh, Pastor Doc is helping, he, in, you know, he's, he's helping in the Alder area, because he's our granddaddy pastor, and, and, and he comes up there in a little bit, and he says, Pastor Eddie, you think you might could pray for people? And this is probably 15 minutes or so, and I'm, I get it together, I'm trying to get together to begin ministering to people. This is happening to her. So Pastor Doc stops ministering, and he goes over to her, lays hands on her, and immediately, she's filled with the Holy Spirit and starts speaking in tongues. 
That's happening. All across the room, the Spirit of God's just touching people. We've had so many testimonies. And the next Sunday when we came together from the first note, it was like there were many, many more people in the room in our worship. People came expecting. It's just the, the, the river's just been flowing. And I'm praying for Pastor Doc today. I'm the, the, the river is flowing over there this morning. This lady, she already had scheduled that following, this is after Sunday, that following Thursday, I think it was, to go to Birmingham, Alabama at UAB Hospital. It's a big, huge medical center in Birmingham. She had an appointment with a new cardiologist. They had sent her all of her previous tests. Now, she had been going to a cardiologist and being tested uh, for this condition regularly, but just in the last year, she had been four times. And every time they tested, the doctor would show her, you've got these holes in these valves. Your heart is leaking terribly. And, and every time she went, the uh, capacity of her heart was diminishing, the percentage. It was getting down really low. And now she's scheduled to go to Birmingham to get set up with this cardiologist to do this massive surgery to try to save her life. So she goes on that Thursday. They put her through six hours of testing. At the end of the six hours, they bring her into a room. She's an RN, so she can describe all the medical terms about what was wrong. And... Sitting and said, the doctor came in and said he was real serious. And she said, I thought, oh no, this is bad news. And I prepared myself. And he sat down and he said, well, uh, your lady said, hmm? Yeah, she was, she, yeah, that's her t- She was crying because she, she saw his affect. She thought, this is it. They're not going to be able to do anything for me. Even though she had such a powerful experience. And the doctor said, Okay, here are all the tests. He says, there is nothing wrong with your heart. She said, there's no, there's no explanation for this. And the man was with her, uh, Gary, and he said, yeah, there is too. He said, Jesus Christ touched her and healed her this past Sunday. So this woman... The Lord literally set her on fire, and she's still burning. She gave testimony to one of our women's gathering just like a, a week or so after that. Uh, God, just, God just does stuff like that at times. And I, I, honestly, nobody can make that happen. You know, God chose to do that. God chose to visit us. Luke chapter 5. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. You know, I said, the Lord, I think, is just wanting to take the lid of unbelief and doubt all away. And, and for us just to get to position, Lord, you do what you want to do. I don't want my doubt and unbelief to hold back what you want to do. After all, Nazareth missed their visitation. Jesus could do no mighty works there except lay hand on a few sick people because of their unbelief. That's what the Gospel of Mark says. So our attitudes, our doubt, and our unbelief can hinder what God wants to do. And I just wanted to drop by this morning and encourage each and every one of us 
to believe that with him all things are possible. If he can do it in Honduras, if he can do it in India, if he can do it in Florence, he's done it here before, but I'm talking about those clusters where it just begins to happen with more frequency and more intensity where the river of God begins to flow. And the next thing you know, people in the community are saying, are you hearing what's happening down there? And people are scratching their head. Well, I wonder what's happening. See, that's a wonder when God's doing things that make people wonder. When, when, when signs, in other words, it's saying, oh, you're wondering? Signpost, it's God. It's God by His Son, Jesus Christ, and in His name, He has made these people whole. He has set these people free. He has saved these people from their sins. I, decra- I declare the power of the name of Jesus Christ over every life in the room right now. I'm declaring you that He is still the Anointed One, the Son of the living God, and He's still going about through His body in the earth, His church, healing all those who are oppressed for, uh, by the devil because God is still honoring His name. He is still honoring His sacrifice. He is the true, He is the living Son of God. And His Spirit is present here with us this morning. The very Spirit of Christ. And I'm telling you, He can meet your need. He can birth your breakthrough. He can can meet you in a way to change your situation. He can make the impossible possible. And I believe our faith can get to the place where all of a sudden the impossible becomes very probable. Every circumstance, every situation. Just say, Lord, have your way. Lord, keep me out of the way. Have your way. Make way for the king this morning. Make way in your attitude. Make way in your thoughts. Make way in your heart. Make way for the king. May this become a highway of holiness this morning where Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, walks up and down these aisles and begins to touch people and sets their heart on fire. Oh God, I ask this morning that you would confirm who you are in the midst of this people this morning that people would get breakthrough today and I ask it in Jesus name Father in Jesus name